Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Habits of Leadership podcast. My name is Dan Hasler from Cut Through Coaching and before we kick off today's episode, I'd just like to let you know about the Habits of Leadership Academy. Now the Academy sees small cohorts of people come together online to look at the ideas and concepts that we discuss with guests on the Habits of Leadership podcast. You'll learn frameworks, techniques and tools to apply in your own context to enhance not only your own leadership but also that of the people around you. Now it kicks off in February 2024 but I'd urge you if you're interested to get in now because we keep our cohorts small we're pretty firm on having a cutoff and so once we're full I'm afraid we're full. Uh, You can enroll on your own as an individual or you can bring your whole team with you. If you want to find out more and and register for the Academy, then head over to habitsofleadership.com and click on the Academy page. Now, on to today's episode. Many of you would be aware that I spend time working in sport. I work with athletes and coaches around leadership and and mental skills, which is essentially uh, the developing the ability to bring your best in the moments that matter, being able to access all your resources, physical and mental, you know, emotional, when faced with pressure, when under the biggest pressure, perhaps on the biggest stage. And one team that I've spent a fair amount of time working with in the past year or so is the Penrith Panthers in the National Rugby League here in Australia. Many of you would be aware that the Penrith Panthers are something of a juggernaut at the moment when it comes to uh, rugby league. Over the past four years, they've appeared in consecutive grand finals, winning the last three, becoming the first team in the modern NRL era to achieve such a feat. At the helm is Ivan Cleary, who oversees an incredible group of people Um, from the playing staff through to the coaching staff to the um, admin staff and all the support crew there, I can honestly say that it is just a really special place. And so when I was presented with the opportunity to actually work (laughs) at such a special place, it was just, uh, yeah, it was almost like a dream come true for me. And having got to know Ivan and the way he goes about his work and the way he sort of sets up the environment to enable people to be their best. I have been hoping that he would agree to come onto the podcast for for quite some time. And I thought, you know what? After winning the third grand final, he was in a pretty chipper mood. And so I put it to him um, in the middle of the field um, as the trophy was being paraded around. And he went, yeah, why not? So um, I'm delighted to say we're actually back at training for the first day ahead of the 2024 season. And we sat down in Ivan's office for what I thought was just going to be an episode, you know, a chat, an interview, and it would make an episode. We we spoke for um, a fair while, and in fact so long, that I've actually made the decision that this is going to be two episodes. So in the spirit of rugby league, a bit like a game of two halves, this is going to be an interview in two halves. The first half, we're going to air this week. And then dropping seven days later, you will be able to get the second half of our chat. I really hope you enjoy this. Um, I think there's plenty to get from this, whether you've 
love rugby league or whether you've never seen a game, whether you hate rugby league, if you're into leading people, if you're into high performance, if you're interested in what it takes to create environments where we can get the best out of people, I really think you're going to get something from this chat. So, in time-honoured fashion, let's kick off. Well, Ivan Cleary, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Happy to be here, mate. Yeah. Um, I don't know who said it first, but it's said a lot. Uh, there's no fairy tales in rugby league. Um, false. False. <laughs> you know, 1st of October this year, it kind of felt like a fairy tale. Um, yeah, talk to, just talk to us a little bit about how, how, are you, how are you telling that fairy tale? How are you telling that story now when people obviously want to talk to you about the grand final? So firstly, I've been saying there's no fairy tales in rugby league to uh, my players for near on 20 years, Dan. So I'm not going to be saying that anymore. Mm. Although, no, let's face it, it's not, a, it's not a fairy tale. That's how I describe it. It feels like one. Mm. But the beauty of that game is the reference point that it's going to be for the future. So as we work through another season, particularly pre-season, and lay down the foundation of what we do you know, in order to achieve the outcome we're looking for, you always sort of you know, pick the biggest game you know, under the most pressure you know, in your mind. I guess it's the old reverse engineering theory. You know? What does that look like? And we'll work backwards and these are the processes we'll put in place to be able to get our outcome. It's just so, from that game. There's so many, there's so many, um, and I've only on reflection of having to watch the game back. Just go, oh, what about this play and that, and oh, what about this and um, that that you know that we believe in and we value. And it just so happens that, all, yeah, so many of those things were put on show uh, f- to enable us to, yeah, to get an incredible result. Can you give us a couple of examples of? moments that you when you watch that but I don't know how many times you watch it back I, I watched it four times in the three days afterwards um just to just to actually maybe do what you were doing but really sort of be able to take almost the emotion out of it and go All right okay what actually happened there because in the moment it was mad when you look back as the coach who obviously it's it's not even just a season thing season long thing for you. you've been with this group now for you know three or four five years and before that as well, obviously with Nathan, you've known him for a while. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm curious to to hear just maybe not giving away trade secrets, but perhaps uh, one or two things that really stuck out. Going, oh yeah, wow, that that's what we're talking about. That happened. That's what we planned for. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, I watched the last twenty minutes before I watched anything else, maybe twice, um, just to see what did happen. Um, particularly after a couple of days of fairly heavy drinking. Uh, um, and then it was probably wasn't until I – so I sort of saw some things like, um, you know, we never left our game plan or the way we play, even under all that pressure and behind 16 points and and sort of withstanding a bit of a barrage that we weren't not, you know, not, not really used to with, you know, with respect. I – um, so that was the first thing that I look back on and think, well, okay, so number one, mentally we stayed in, we stayed 
presence stayed true to, you know, how we play. We trusted each other and the system. Um, so that's probably the number one thing. Mm. Um, there are, but there are a bunch of little moments that I probably didn't realise until I watched the whole game back where you say you get some context from you know, the game and a bit more. Just these little moments that we discussed either right throughout the year or even in the weeks leading. Um, for example, we got more results defending short dropouts or short kickoffs than we got the whole year. And we weren't actually that good at that mm. throughout the year. It was actually one one piece of our game where I was like, yeah, it's, we're just not good at it, you know. Um, and on the biggest night, we just got – we scored tries off it, got a penalty goal. So that was eight points in the first half defending short, short dropouts. Um, Liam Martin caught one unbelievable catch. He was in the right spot yeah. and backed himself. Yeah. You know, whereas back rowers, they, they don't want to be catching dropouts, yeah. man. Yeah. Nathan it was like a one. rocket as well, yeah. like on the chest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Nathan caught one with his, you know, in the right spot with his foot out. We only just discussed that actual positioning mm. two weeks before. Yep. You know, because we're trying to move, you move people. It's like you know, it's like you move people around. It's like levers. You push him out there, then there's a gap somewhere else. Mm. So who's going to cover that gap? Yeah. And for him uh, to have the clarity of mind also to go captain's challenge in the heat of the moment there as yeah. well, because they were they they suggested that. Um, Nathan had carried it out right yeah. off that dropout, but he, he was crystal clear. Now, now we'll challenge that. Yeah. So, and then, so all these little things all together, mm. I think if, if maybe one of them had have gone wrong or we hadn't have got that right, then that would have been enough just to lose that momentum. Mm. We mightn't have got there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a bit of luck there, obviously, but yeah. just, just, it's just crazy how that is. It feels a bit fairy tale-ish, mm. you know, because I mm. couldn't have written that story. No. Not not that I can write a good fairy tale, but no. I, you could not have written it. Mm. I say to people, I've said to people afterwards, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have um, planned or booked that that game and how it went, mm. but now it's happened. Mm. It's even better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and when you said there, because I mean, it is right, it's like you don't want it to play out like that. But the fact that it did is incredible. Um, one thing that um, I've sort of commented on a couple of times when people have spoken to me and got, oh, you know, was it luck or or whatever? It's like, well, I think luck is always going to play a part. Like you, you're lucky if a ref doesn't make a crap call, right? You know, you're lucky if you know you, you don't get an injury, right? Luck definitely plays. But I think also, I think we have to recognise that. You know, we didn't make a single error in that second half, right? There was no. I think there was one error in the whole game. I think. Yep. You know that's not luck. <laughs> yep. You know, um, I think you know we spoke about that idea of um, just keep playing, just keep playing, play to keep playing, and again when I watched back, it, there was just little moments like that when Critter puts in the grubber kick. He's not trying to score us. I mean, great if we do, but just being able to keep playing and that yeah that presence of mind just share with me what nathan said to you when the score was uh 24 20 yeah so 24 8 down with 18 to go ezra man's just got his third try it was just an avalanche mm. felt like it um a lot of broncos fans in the stadium too felt like there's more than it we did. had and louder yeah. and so you know they were all obviously in full voice um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we hadn't had a lot of this 
happened to us, you know. So um, just to be able to get ourselves back in in contention. Mm. So, yeah, we scored. Moses, they had scored uh, 24-14. And then Critter scored. Um, Nat kicks a goal from the sideline, which is crucial in the, in the scheme of things, 24-20. But he's, we'd, we'd forced another dropout. And while he was waiting for the dropout, he thought to himself, oh, wow, geez, we've done, you know, geez, we've done well. Um, fourth grand final, you know, won a couple, come back when everyone thought, you know, we were gone. Um, yeah, I mean, even if we lose, we're probably, you know, people are going to say, geez, these guys, are, they've done a good job. And then he just thought, no, mate, <laughs> no, no, I've got to keep going. Yeah. Now, I, um, one that he can actually articulate that is is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Two that he's brave enough to, you know, sort of explain that those vulnerabilities that we all go through and mm. and even you know everyone's saying oh you know how good he was at the mm. at that place, but it just goes to show, you know, all the work we do mm. mentally and you know um, which we will still work on and we ne- you'll never get there and there's so much to do. But that feels good too, that the, the work we actually put in and the work that he's put in over a long period of time, yeah, yeah can stand up and, you know, and, and help you in those times. Yeah, because I remember you were talking to the boys, I'm going to say maybe two weeks out from it, and it, it might not be the first time you'd said it to them, but it was certainly the first time I'd heard you say it to them. And we were talking about this idea of the closer you get to it, the easier it is to let go. And I'm curious, I'd not, I've never actually heard anyone frame something like that um i i when i think about it i can understand i think a little bit but i'm curious to hear like where did that come from for you like this idea that there were because i think nathan was almost having that conversation with himself oh we're pretty close here and it would be easy just to go you know the deep breath out go we've done it so close Where, where did that thought come to you this idea that the closer we get the easier it is to let go can't actually remember, Dan, exactly. Uh, it's something that I, when I I read it somewhere or heard it and it just resonated with me straight away, mm. I thought of my own experiences. Um, I just thought of watching, you know, sporting contests and um, I think it's probably comes from a you know, protection mechanism within you where, you know, someone's, you know, it's like it's just your red brain, I guess, trying to protect you from, oh, you've done okay, you know, like, um, or you'll see it in a game where the game will be really close and then all of a sudden, you know, one team will think, oh, I just, yeah, we probably can't win from here and all of a sudden the opposition score a couple of times and, mm. you know, or um, you just, you just, yeah, I don't know, it's just, a, it must be, I think it's a human nature mm. type thing and so I, I just really resonated with it and thought, um you know, I thought it might, you know, it might be something that the boys could yeah. relate to, and I think, yeah, I felt like they did. Mm. Um, you just see it happen. You just see, you see sides go. For example, let's say in in our in our world, have a great season, and then they get to the finals in a finals game and just get blown out or just mm. don't perform. And I, I think that's a that's a good insight to think. You know what? They're actually pretty happy with where they are, yeah. where they've got to. Mm. Um, so near, near enough is good enough. Yeah, and it's and it's not it's not a conscious thing. No. I don't think it's a conscious thing. So anyway, we wanted to make it a I wanted to make it a yeah. conscious thing. Yeah. To say and not just about us, but about the opposition. Mm. 
Um, but we weren't going to be those guys. Mm. And that was put to the test big time. Big time. And, um, yeah, as I said, for us to be able to deliver under that much pressure mm. um, with so many you – know, and, and it was right there, let's face it, it was right there for us to probably go, well, you know, looking back, gee, we've done pretty well, mm. you know. Um, but thankfully we've got a, a group of boys that, um, yeah, didn't give up. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if you've seen footage of it or if you saw it on the night, but I recall that I think the third try had just gone in, something like that. You know, Ezra's just scored his third and Fish is due to go back on. And I could see him walking up and down, like, you know, nodding and talking and sort of, and, I, you know, he went to the guys on the bench and just said, you know, we've got this or I've got this, or something along those lines. And it's when you talk about the, you know, the group of people, it is a special group, right? There's this, I, I, my take on this group is that they, they aren't looking, they're, 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 they're not someone else footballers, right? They're not looking to someone else to get them out. Um, they they want to do it themselves. Whatever their role is, they're going to do it, you know, and yeah. trust the process, like you said before, stay in that process, stay in the game plan. Is that something that you've had to be quite deli- – well, one, assuming I'm right there. I don't know if I am, but let's say – well, am I right there? But second of all, um, if it if that is a theory is correct, how deliberate are you in the coaching of that um, as opposed to um, leaving it to chance? How deliberate are you in the sense of you – you know, everyone's a leader on this field, so to speak. Everyone's got to own their patch. I'd like to think very deliberate. Um, we've been sort of using a bit of a concept around leadership starts from the bottom for a few years. Don't talk about it all the time, but even with our leaders, you know, I think the first thing that they have to get in place is their own performance um, and you know, how they prepare themselves and carry themselves and, and all that. Um, then it comes, you know, I believe in reliability. It's one of the things that I, when I look at a, you know, someone that inspires me, uh, I just love consistency. I, I don't really know why, just something that I really admire. Mm. Um, consistency that, of what? Oh, performance generally. Mm. Oh, that's where it starts from. So if I look at a, you know, teams that spring to mind like, over the years, been the All Blacks. Um, you won't like me saying this, but Manchester United back in you know the Fergie way era. back in the day, <laughs> way way back. Fergie yeah. era. Yeah, yeah. Not sure how Man City were going in those days, but um, very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melbourne Storm. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to say that not a great rival of ours, but they, you know, probably closer to home for me. They're like, you know, just you know Barcelona, you know, Roger Federer, yeah. Rafael Nadal, like. Just, I just love, I just love that ability to have, have all this success, mm. you know, have all this expectation, but still deliver. Mm. In team sports, you know, when players come and go, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, that brand, mm. they deliver. Um, so it's something that, yeah, we definitely aspire to. Mm. Um, so that, that comes where you don't get that from, you know, unless you're doing it, you know, day in, day out. Mm. Um, and once you do that, you, I think you need to be able to be consistent. You have to have a, you know, a, a method that's pretty consistent that everyone understands. Um, that's how we, that's how we play as a team. That's how we do things. And then 
once you have that, then you can, it's much easier for them to everyone to be accountable for their roles inside that. So I guess if you, if, if that's an answer, then that's fairly deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to round out our GF uh, reminiscence before we uh, move on to a, a other. Do we have to move on? Well, 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 we could, we could certainly yeah. uh, use it as a frame of reference perhaps. Cause uh, it, yeah, certainly, um, you know, we don't want to forget it. Um, but I want, I want, I'm wondering if you could take us into the coaching box for that last, I'm going to say 25 minutes, right? So the 20, let's say, you know, that 25 minute mark, Ezra's just about to score his third. I'm wondering what the vibe was like, what the, um, what the energy was like, what the language was like, um, and that belief. And then if you can just chart it through, Mossy, Critter, couple of repeat sets, and then, of all people, Nathan, sealing it right at the end. So, as a collective coaching group, but then specifically you, head coach and dad, what was that like? Twenty five minutes yeah. out. Um, well, I'll probably take you back a little bit before that. Um, we led eight nil just before half time, and. They scored, Flegler scored just on half time, eight six, and it was one of those, you know, conceding tries right on half time. That's not good, you know. Um, and I thought, eh, you know, we 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 should have been further ahead, but you know, if you ask me, start of the game, eight six at half time, probably be happy with that. I wasn't unhappy with the way we were playing. Um, there's some few things we needed to fix up, but but anyway, I went down into the sheds and. I must say, on the way back up after halftime, I actually said to Cameron, one of the well, basically the, the coaching group, yeah, they, they didn't exactly, they weren't exactly exuding, you know, confidence like I know they can. So I, I started the second half with that with that thought. You know, I'm trying to forget the thought, but it was there. We didn't start the second half well, and then fell behind, and then as you said, so basically after the second try. Ezra's second try, so. What was that, 18, 8? I sent a message down straight, you know, this is, okay. Just get them to focus on defence. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Don't worry about how we're going to get the 10 points back. You know, it's got to be, we have to stop these guys, you know, before we do anything. Well, they scored again the next set. <laughs> <laughs> now Walsh, Cleary came out and Walsh went straight through. Andrew's there. Andrew Man for a hat-trick. The Broncos have got another one. He's broken the record 19 tries. And Brisbane are tearing the Panthers apart. Wow. Wow. So, Shane Elford, blue shirt trainer, he's standing there looking, at, looking up at me like, what's the message? Well, there was absolute crickets in the box. Yeah, wow. Well, that's at the point where I think we're all like, oh, gee, mm. I can't send the same – well, yeah. I said, mate, it's the same message. Like, I don't think I said it as <laughs> – As calmly as that. <laughs> well, I don't think I was as direct, but I, was, I might have – yeah. That's – yeah, we were like – yeah, we were a bit rattled for sure. And I, I'm like, oh, my God, you know. Um, I did remember thinking, Jesus, so long to go here, but like, how how are we actually going to stop this? Because um, yeah, they were just 
yeah, carving us up. Um, we were missing tackles that we probably wouldn't usually. Um, so, yeah, that was the first thing. Um, anyway, uh, after that, 24-8. It was 24-8 for maybe about five minutes, I reckon. And there was a really good period of play where ball was in play and they had it and we had it and, you know, it was a bit of an arm wrestle and, and that's, you know, it's no, it's no secret that we like that stuff. We like to play like that. Um, we scored. That's when Moses scored, when Nathan broke through and Moses scored. Probably Cleary, Dunnies, Cleary gets through. Where's the support? Back on the inside. Leona with the try. Here we go. Under the post, the Panthers are in. And there he is. He stands up in the big moments, Nathan Cleary. So it wasn't just the try. It wasn't just the fact that, you know, we'd stopped the momentum and we were back within 10 points, but it was the nature of the try. That filled, filled me with confidence. There's still plenty of time left. Um, again, the same thing happened. Then they made a mistake and so all of a sudden they kind of made a couple of mistakes or things that they probably normally wouldn't do. I think they ran the ball in the last. Um, yeah, and then they dropped the ball. Carrigan dropped my knee halfway and I was like, oh, okay. You just feel it. Then when Critter scored. To within 12 of Brisbane's line, Kenny, Cogger first receiver, Cleary second, out the back to Crichton. They might have a chance here. Crichton for the line, he gets a try. That's his fourth try in four grand finals. And Penrith are back in this in a big way. Here come the Panthers. Um, I, felt very, I actually felt really confident. Probably more so, sorry, when Nat kicked the goal from the sideline, it's like four points, about 10 to go, maybe nine, 10. That's a long time. Yeah. When, you, when you're ahead and you've been ahead, by that's a long time. Yeah. Um, so I started thinking a bit about how they would feel and how they – yeah, and then, again, we, we – we, I think it was good because we had enough time not to have to try and get the try straight away. Mm. You know, that probably helped us to be able to go, okay, we stick to our thing and you said, you know, force a couple of dropouts. Um, they were getting fatigued. Um, when we had the dropout – 24-20, it was about, you know, whatever it was, like four, four and a bit minutes to go. I'm thinking, okay, it's probably getting closer to we need to score. Yeah. Um, Mitch Kenny hit Fish, who like a, does a really good chance. He sort of does a good tackle. Then he hit, went short side. When Nat was on the short side, he hit Sorrow short, and I thought, nah, probably should have hit Nat there. Yeah. And I thought, oh, we're going to have to go back the other side of the field. But Nathan stayed on the short side. I thought, what? Oh, hang! He's going to go to him. Yeah. That's calling. I could see he probably shouldn't do that because they've got more than we have. Mm. But then the rest is history. Two plays left on the set. It goes to Cleary. Nathan Cleary. Oh! Wow! Cleary himself. <laughs> what a try! Well, he had to stand up. I like what Nathan. He spoke to me later about that. Um, he was thinking without going into detail, there was a part of the Broncos that we wanted to attack that he was still thinking about that yeah. on that play. didn't end up going where he was going to go originally, mm. but at least the thought process was right. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Nat scores. The, the box has gone wild. <laughs> you know, like everyone's gone wild. Mm. I've gone, oh, shit, there's still two and a bit minutes to yeah. go. Yeah. We're not good at short, short kickoffs. Mm. Um, stopping them, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, every time the Broncos got the ball, I felt, I felt, 
worried. So I was just like, that's all I thought about. I thought, oh, my God, two minutes to go. Okay. Um, yeah, then got the ball back mildly fortuitously. Um, had a good set, good kick. There's a minute to go. We've done this all year. Like we know how – we're good at defence. We got them where we want them. But yeah, they had one more chance. Reese Walsh gets the ball, you know, the whole place lights up. Yep. Um, and then he offloads it and sorry gets it. And then it was like now, now it is surreal yeah. and it's like a dream. Yeah. And you're just going, oh, my God, yeah. you know, this, this is about to happen. And then when the siren went, it was just... Yeah, it was just pure, probably more euphoric than any other moment in my coaching career, I think. Um, more so than the first win? Um, I think it was. It's hard to say that because they're all a bit different and that yeah. was pretty cool too. Mm. But um, a little similar, I suppose. Mm. But it was. I guess I think it was because it was only 20 minutes ago where I'm like, mm. you know, I just you just couldn't see how the hell we were going to win that game from that point. So probably just because of like what just happened in that last yeah. 20 minutes, you know, so. Yeah. And so how do you, because there is, it's, there's the uh, mental, emotional toll, you know, it's a great ending. <laughs> but in terms of, um, you know, we're back here as we're recording this, it's first day back uh, at training. The younger the younger lads are in, the, the older boys will come back, uh, you know, in, in time. First day of training, so what is it, like maybe five or six weeks max since I'm trying to do my maths very yeah, quickly. Yeah. Let's say like six weeks yep. since the grand final. Yep. Um, what sort of um, break if do you are you able to take so that you can come back? Because I'm really keen now to sort of hear about, well, how do you come back from this now and kind of do it again, you know? Um, but what sort of break did you – how do you switch off? What kind of break did you get? Yeah, so – Firstly, it took it took longer than the other two grand finals or any other season I've had. It took it took longer to probably come down from to. Uh, it was just yeah, like I don't know whether it was the amount of functions we were. There was just the feeling of the whole thing. Like as you said, you you know everywhere you went, people were talking about it. So you, you're reliving it, and um. We've we've agreed that it wasn't a fairy tale, but it was pretty close. Yep. Um, and then I went away for a few days. I went up the coast. My daughter was playing Oztag, so that was the first little thing. But there's still a lot of people around who want to talk about it. Yep. Uh, I generally find that going overseas is probably the best place because usually people don't call you when they know you're over there. They just don't ring. Whereas when they know you're here, they you'll get the odd phone call, which is no one's fault, but just how it is. Um, so yeah, when I went to Bali for a couple of weeks and moved around a bit, my family went over there and we just had a great time. Came back, I got back, I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready. Mm. You know, I, I hadn't really thought about this year or, yeah, deciphered too much about it. Decided we want to come back to work a little bit earlier than the players, so maybe a week and a half as a staff just to be ready. So I just thought if I wait till all the players get back, I just... 
I just don't feel like I'm going to be ready. And, you know, you mentioned the young blokes come back. Well, most of those guys, all those guys, none of them are actually part of the grand final team. So they're sitting there going, well, I want to be there. So we're going to, we're going to, these guys are going to be, they're going to set the, they're going to set the tone for hunger and, um, you know, energy. And so we're going to make sure as a staff we're, you know, we're on top of that as well. But anyway, coming back early and then leaving again, I felt like that got me into the, just getting back in the building, mm. talking about the schedule, that stuff, just that sets you off again. And uh, I sit here today feeling yeah, really excited about the future, and mm. um, our our journey's never been about one game, one season, like a result, winning a premiership. It's more than that. Mm. You know, talk about that reliability. Well, that's that's a never ending, you know, pursuit, and that's sort of how I like to look at it. You don't like to look, try not to look and live in the past, but you can learn from it, and, mm. and that's sort of yeah. This year's going to be no different. Yeah, and so. You just mentioned that it's more than that, you know. So it it's more than winning the grand final. It's more than one result, or it's more than winning three grand finals. What is it about? Well, you, know, you may have heard it before, but our vision here is to be a source of community pride. Um, so our community, we you know that's that sort of comes in two forms. Like one, just the local Penrith, uh, well, the greater Penrith region mm. uh that doesn't always mean that you got to be a footy fan or um but i feel like when you know when we're doing well then the, the people of penrith um yeah are, are proud in us which means they can be proud of themselves and that's that's a responsibility we take very seriously and we are very grateful for to be even be in a position to be able to influence that mm. penrith's a town that's you know, a lot of people have moved out of sort of inner city areas to, to move out here. I've kind of looked down on a little bit and, you know, there's sort of, I don't know, let's call it outcast for one of one of a better term. Don't want to offend anyone there. But um, so that's something that we, yeah, we really, really value. It also includes our Panthers, you know, rugby league community, which are our fans and, uh, and people are, who are associated, you know, with our team sponsors, so it's local business. You know, if everyone can, you know, stand up a bit taller and feel a bit prouder, um, I think that there's there's a lot of positive spin-offs there. So mm. I feel like that's something that, you know, that, that'll never go away. And if anything, the more success you have, the harder it is to, yeah. to live up to that, um, which is which is a pretty good driver. Yeah. Was that um – was that your vision or is that a corporate, like a, the, the organization's vision or is that something that you actually sat with and went, you know, no, this, this is, this is the, the overarching driving thing. We'll get that by winning or by being reliable or putting in our best. Was that yours or was that a collective thing or was it a corporate thing? I hate taking credit for anything, Dan, but that, yeah, that was something that I, um, Tramped up, if you like, or mm. began. Um, I did the same with with our culture. Mm. I, I I just I just rode this organic wave for many many years. I had stand you know standards that I believed in, obviously a way of playing and whatever else and things I believed in values. But I never really. I always sort of thought, well, if someone asked, 
someone in our business, players, staff, what's what's your culture like? I didn't think they could answer. Mm. Maybe I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but I sort of wanted them to have a better understanding of what it actually is. Mm. So I actually decided that I was going to articulate what our culture is. So part of that was like, let's set a vision as well. Mm. So everybody's really clear on what we're actually trying to achieve apart from winning games and playing well and training hard and turning up on time and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I guess it was more clarity of purpose and then Mm. uh, and from there you can work backwards and um, I guess establish systems and process and disciplines that – Hopefully, get you there. And was that a so was that a specific Penrith thing? So it was a by virtue of was it coming here for the first time? Because obviously you you coached here and then you went um, elsewhere and then you came back. So when did that vision materialise for you? Is it something you started with at the Warriors, for example, or is it very Penrith specific this time around? Yeah, it is. I got a little bit from the Warriors because I. Uh, I sort of fell in love with the the idea of community, uh, clubs that like are very influenced, heavily influenced by a certain community. community. So um, whereas I'd been at the, uh, say for the Roosters, for example, there's a little bit of community there, but it's also like, I don't know, it just the Tigers is another one. It's hard to nail down where the actual, where it community is. Community is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there's pockets of it. Yep. Um, but I love the idea of that. When I first came to Penrith, we decided just based on my my discussions with people that were from here or had been here, I thought it was really important that as a, as a coach I, I lived in the area. Um, I think the only one that had done that before me for a long, long time, probably before since Tim Sheens was Royce, mm-hmm. Royce Simmons. Some other guys, you know, yeah, coached here but they lived out of town. Or, so I decided – you know, I'm from the Northern Beaches, so we'd come back from New Zealand. I could have easily just gone and lived there. Nathan would have been a manly junior, so yeah. thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> um, uh, so we yeah, so we moved into the area and I just felt, I just noticed just being here, so that was like 2012, that there weren't many, not much Panthers kit getting around town. The team wasn't going that well in those days. There was a lot of second, third generation other team fans, South. Parramatta, St George, whatever. Um, so I sort of like, yeah, okay, I, that was an obvious one for me that we're gonna we're gonna change this, we're gonna turn this around. So that's why one of the reasons we wanted to grow our own players, where p- people could, oh well, you know, I know him or he grew up near me or mm. I know his family. So that was part of that. I'll tell you another little story. I, um, the Panthers were the first team to really stand out in the women of the league um women of league round mm. not sure when that was but they wore this really bright pink kit mm. and um i remember thinking you know what that's 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 a way people are going to know know who we are mm. um when we first got here our, our away kit was a was a white jersey mm. which i don't know how many white jerseys there are there's plenty though they're yeah. all yeah. pretty much everyone their yeah. away kit is yeah. white yeah. if they're not white already so I was like, you know, I think we should wear pink. Mm. Um, and that, it was purely just for identity. It was just purely just for no one else is ever going to do it. Mm. When someone turns the TV on or whatever and sees the team in the pink, they're going to know 
that they're the Panthers. So I thought when we wore white, could have, we could have been anyone, yep. you know. We would have just been someone playing South or someone playing the Storm or the Broncos. So that was um, one little thing. Not everyone loved it, I must say. The, uh, a few few board members that um, that didn't like it. The When I got the arse here, the new coach, he certainly didn't like it, so pink disappeared. Yep. So when I got back, yep. that was the first thing I wanted back in. Um I think it's going okay. The merchandise sales are pretty good and yeah. the girls seem to like it and even the guys now start to wear it. So, anyway, that was something that I, you know, that was just all part of, I guess, that vision. So yeah. it didn't really put it into words, mm. um, source, a source of community pride until uh, the 2020 season. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, um, I'm not saying that, but it's been okay since then. Yeah, yeah. Touch wood. Well, hopefully they're, yeah. Hopefully but, they're still proud of us all. Uh, well, certainly um, – you know, one thing I noticed that when I you know, come in here and um, head over just to the shopping centres or wherever, you know, um, everyone's wearing it. <laughs> you know, it looks like it's there's Panthers gear look like everywhere. And honestly, Dan, I mean, I love mm. being, of course, love winning games and winning grand finals, and that's I still get a kick out of that. Yeah. Honestly, I really do. I, and the vast majority of kids wear Penrith kit, mm. and so. They've broken down that, hey, dad's a para fan or mm. Uncle John's a St. George fan or whatever. Mm. And once that's broken, then hopefully you get this, you know, hopefully they're telling their kids, no matter what's going on in the future, how, how Panthers are going, you're a Panthers man, that we're from the area and that's that's yeah. sort of what my hope is anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a, um, a, a another cliche that I might throw your way, which is winning's a lousy teacher. You know, and it's and I don't think it's a cliche. I think that's can be truthful if we're not careful. And I'm curious to, as I mentioned before, back here first day. How do you, how do you guard against complacency? How do you guard against? And I'm actually thinking specifically you here, so not worrying about other people. How do you, how do you personally guard against complacency? How do you guard against that thing going, well? Far out! I've done something that no one else has done in the NRL era. You know, three three GFs, well, four GFs in a row. Three of them winning in a row. No, no coach has done that in the in the NRL era. Why, why, why come in and do it again? Like, and 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 more importantly, how are you going to come in? Well, no, not more importantly. Why do you come in and do it again? And then we'll get to how are you going to do it. So I've learnt the hard way in that sense. Uh, for so when we made the 2020 grand final, um, sorry, okay, when we won the 21 grand final, sorry, that was my 15th season as a head coach. I'd played 12 as well as a player, so it's 27 seasons, uh, without winning. Mm. So it took me a long while to win in my early days as a coach, Dan. I felt like Looking back, I got I needed to be under the pump, losing, um, under pressure to 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 be at my best. Mm. So I think I did get complacent. I was not searching for the stars. So if we won a few games, I'd be like, "How good is this?" I I think I would be probably similar, but in all honesty, I think I just maybe would just you know ease off, give myself a bit of a pat on the back. You can, okay, you can relax again. 
you know, my my natural state is like I like to be calm and relaxed and but I'm at my best when I'm under pressure and but I used to I, I reckon I used to it was too much of I'd have to fall back on that to be able to right, I've got to focus now I've got to be sharp. And then I'd get to a point where we'd get close enough and that seemed good enough. Mm. It's a bit like what we were talking about before, yeah. you know. And I I actually realized that uh pretty early, but I couldn't fix it. Uh, I think it was probably only only until I got to the point where um, t- 2019, when I first came back to Panthers on this sort of journey, so it was a five-year contract. First year was awful. Mm. Um, How awful? Well, awful enough for me to think, uh, I don't think I'm, I'm not sure I'm the right man for the job and if we don't do something next year, then I, I will actually, I'm out. Yeah, right. That's 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 as how awful it got. I won't go into all the details no. of the other you know other stuff, but I was pretty yeah. That was a pretty um, it was a hard time, and, and it was like right. I um, was sort of like saying I'm just not going to be you know we're going to win, and I'm going to take the risk that winning's going to be it's going to be it or you know not so much all or nothing, but you know what I mean. Like rather than just being happy surviving or yeah. coming forth or you know, mm. winning four games out of five or six or something like that. And it was, we're going to set the bar a bit higher. Mm. Um, so it was, yeah, I got to that point through experience and failing and whatever else. And I don't want to get back there. <laughs> so personally, that's, yeah. I think that's why, why I'll never get complacent anymore. Mm. Um, I like winning. Mm. I like being where we are. And I don't like the, 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 thought of anyone else you know taking that spot so i'm gonna keep going yeah so how are you gonna keep going how do you um how do you maintain or even increase dial up whatever it it looks like like what's what's the next edge because you know we've spoken about this a fair bit in terms of everyone's looking up you know the, the, the top teams, not just the Panthers, but everyone looks at what the top teams do and they change. They change to become more like them. Mm. How do the Panthers specifically, what's the mindset or the mentality around, we, we can't just do the same thing again. How do we, what, what's next? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably don't have all the answers uh, for that yet but I do know one thing we have to evolve we have to improve you know because if you're not improving you're effectively going backwards uh, certainly in our league which is a very much a parity league so everyone's on the same everyone's got the same salary cap you know everyone trains similarly and there's something you know I mean it's a very even type mm. competition so we can't just rely on what we've done before or who we are so there'll be there'll be an evolution to that, which I've got some ideas around. Um, but it's also it's a fine line because you know you don't want to reinvent the wheel from what's you know a foundation that's been so successful, mm. and we know works. So even last year we we started the year with with evolution in mind, just in some game style stuff. A lot of the other things we still did similarly, you know, the way we train and way we prepare and. And all that, but we sort of tried to change our game a little bit. Um, we got to sort of eight games in. We've won four, lost four, and 
we just lost our yeah we just lost our edge we lost our style in a way that was allowing other teams opportunities um so long story short i think we tried to evolve too quickly uh, without getting that base down and then adding little shoots yeah. or you know yeah. improve little improvements here and there and all of a sudden you keep building on those little improvements so I like to think of it, it's, it's, we've got to look at it like compound interest where you've still got your, you know, the principle there and, and then each year you can try and, you know, add on bits. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of also having a system that we know and understand is that each year the players know that more, you know, their connections are stronger each each and every year and mm. and you kind of, you also evolve and improve from that too. So yeah. Yeah. like all the players aren't back yet so... Um, I won't know our whole direction until I've spoken to those guys a bit at a bit more and, mm. you know, we'll put it all together. In the meantime, we'll just sort of set about getting our foundation strong, which we pretty much do similarly each year. Yeah, and something you mentioned or alluded to there is that, one, you said you don't have all the answers yet, which um, shows, I think, a fair degree of humility. But then it also you mentioned I've not, I've not spoke to those players yet because – if we go back to that what we're talking about before where you know the ownership that the players have how much how much say or power or voice do you give over to the playing group to talk about how we'll play more and more um i think the evolution of myself as a coach i came from being taught not to delegate when i first started I was sort of, you know, sort of came from a an era or I'm not sure of an era but like it was an instruction like you know, of, of, well, you're the head coach. You know, if the team fails, you fail. So you better be careful giving responsibility to people that aren't really going to be accountable to yeah. it. So that's how I started, Dan, and I've gone full circle, I think. Um, learned the hard way. I still remember the first time that I delegated a significant amount to, to one of my assistant coaches, probably about 12 years ago. And it was just like, it was, oh my God, how, like, this is fantastic. You oh, know, yeah. I had more time to think. I was, I was free. Mm. Um, and that just started a journey of giving out more and more, which, as you know, that, you know, if you give responsibility to people, they, you know, they either grow with it or they're not ready for it, which is your fault for giving it to them in the first place. Mm. So um, players are no different, you know. At the end of the day, the players are out there doing it. Um, and I just are so lucky to have players and leaders in this team that I completely trust. And that's a big part of it as well. Mm. Completely trust and teach me things. Mm. It's a long time since I've... I wouldn't say graced the field, Dan, plotted on the field. So the game changes and there's nothing like getting, you know, getting it from the horse's mouth, like what's actually happening out there. And so to be able to, to be able to give them that, I guess, responsibility allows them to grow. And in the end, it's only good for me because I, I learn more and, and am more informed about the decisions I have to make. Yeah. Would you say that's your biggest evolution as a coach from a, on a personal level? Like the, the ability to empower others and to, to delegate. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. I think part of that is that 
when you're younger and and I guess less mature and and not as confident, um, you sort of have this innate feeling if you want to show people that you know what you're doing or you're smart and you don't want to be seen like, oh, that guy's actually smarter than me. He knows more than me. But hang on, I'm the head coach. Um, So those insecurities probably hold you back a little bit. I also mentioned that I was taught that way as well. So it took me a while to actually go, you know what, that's pretty stupid. That's not going to – so a bit of both there. But that's definitely been my biggest evolution where I become now much more the guy in the helicopter, so to speak. Mm. Um, which suits which suits me. Yeah. It suits my style, and it probably suits anyone's style. But it allows. I like that. I like collaborating. I like. Mm. I like getting people's opinions, and I like learn because it keeps you fresh, and you, you're always learning. And mm. um, I actually thought this had a feeling this morning where I thought, "Geez, you know, I, I could have done so much better here or there, or I should have done that, or mm. you know, I probably think like that most days. Yeah. I think that's." That that's a good thing because it shows that I'm still keen and and looking to learn and 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 just face the challenges that, that happen every day. And that's half time. Second half, as I said, will drop next week. So make sure, please, that you've subscribed. That way, there's no chance of you missing the second half. And here's a little taster of what to expect. I knew I had this innate. I don't know what it was where I I like responsibility. You know, I like, um, I can't even articulate why, but I just, I, I do. Like if someone gave me, if someone gives me responsibility to do something, I quite, you know, I gravitate towards that. There's no coach, there's no coach in the world, right, who could trust his main playmaker more than I could. That's how I feel. That's pretty much, a, that's a bit of a superpower. Yeah. And that's unfair. How talented would a player have to be for you to tolerate bullshit from them? Well, my initial response was going to be, he can't be that talented. <laughs> there's no, there's, <laughs> there's no, no such thing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss the second half. Also, don't forget, if you're keen on checking out the Habits of Leadership Academy, then you need to head over to habitsofleadership.com and click on the Academy page as we always say if you found this conversation worthwhile there is a fair chance that someone you know would also find this conversation worthwhile so please feel free to share this on your socials or in a whatsapp group or just pass it on in an email to someone who you think you know what they might get something from this if you've enjoyed it of course don't forget to officially like the podcast and comment on the podcast leave a kick-ass rating and review on the podcast anything that you do there costs nothing for you but it does a really um, cool little thing with the algorithms on on the internet and all of a sudden people who have never heard of us find habits of leadership popping up in their suggested listening Um, and as i can't tell you um how rewarding it is for us to start getting feedback from people we've never heard of, we don't know, we've never met, but they say, oh yeah, we've stumbled across your podcast and this episode was really cool and this was useful. And yeah, so for Perko and I and the whole team here at Cut Through, any little uh, gesture you can make with the like, the comment, the rate, the share, um, it really does mean a great deal to us. So I look forward to sharing with you the second half of my chat with Ivan next week. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Take it easy.